Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Marketing Blender Show. I'm Dacia. And I'm Daisy. Now, today we're talking about a dicey one, but one that we are super passionate about, and that is about how marketing can drive resilience, especially in an economic downturn. Now, we should probably start out, and our common, our frequent viewers know this, but we should probably start out with our three R's about how do we define return on investment. We always start with revenue because, you know what? That's what businesses have to have to stay alive. And we don't get customers if they can't make money. So revenue is number one in top of people's minds. Reputation is the second one. So what do people know about your brand? Is it the right stuff? Do enough people know about it? Do the right people know about it? So reputation is very important. But the third one that often gets missed is resilience, which is are you going to survive? And over the last few years, we've seen a lot of businesses that did not survive because they hadn't planned to be resilient. And I love this because honestly, if you break it down, it's a little bit like a formula, right? Because if you're building revenue, you're actually building a system for rev consistent revenue generation, which is sustainable, right? And then the more sustainable that is and the more clients that you get, the more reputation and renown you get in the market. So now it's an additive effect, that brand equity you're building because of your consistent revenue generator it leads to resilience. And so for me, I love this because there really kind of is this natural maturity process where you get more and more and more out of marketing, but you need to do the resilience part on purpose. Like, yes, it can happen as a natural outcome, but especially in times like this where we're really not sure what's happening tomorrow and there's so many things out of people's control man, focusing on the fundamentals of what is in our control and we can drive resilience. And that's one of the things I really want to encourage you guys about is when we're talking about doing resilience on purpose in an economic downturn for marketing, we are talking about a return to fundamentals because you don't have the space to waste money. You don't have the space to take your customers for granted. You don't have the space to chase crazy and you don't have the space to just put stuff out there without having the rationale and the outcomes that you're actually driving to, trying to drive to. And so this is a powerful approach that you should be taking all the time to marketing, but an economic downturn can actually pull it out in you. One of the key areas where we see people having a strong challenge and getting really nervous is around lead generation. Where are my leads coming from? Nobody's buying. Nobody's making spending decisions. Everybody's budget is frozen. What do we do now? But it's often highlighting a deeper problem that was already existing. They were kind of taking some of their leads for granted and it's time to get really serious about solving the real problem. What are some of the issues that you often see with lead generation that people may not be aware of or may not be ready to admit? I love this. This one's going to sound so weird, but it's that sometimes lead generation is not the real problem. And here's what I mean by that. So if you're talking to a client and you say, okay, where are you right now? Well, we're not hitting the growth at, you know, that we want. Maybe they've hit a plateau. Maybe it's just not as fast. Maybe they went down. Okay. Why? Now, when you start breaking that why down, there's so many reasons. We had too much client churn. We're not cross-selling and upselling. A competitor hit our market. We have to, we had to lower our prices. Um, you know, we lost a product. We lost a distributor. Like, holy cow. When you really start breaking down 
why are you not achieving your revenue goals? It's amazing that oftentimes lead generation is one part of your revenue strategy. But let's go ahead and let's pretend that it's a significant one, like it's in one of the top three reasons. Then you go, okay, well, why do you have a lead gen problem? We have heard everything from, because we don't do anything to generate leads. Like we have no campaigns at all. Don't even know what that is. To, oh, we get tons of leads, but they're poor quality. We have also found, oh, they're poor quality. And then we're like, why? Or how do you know? And we got in, oh, because the sales team wasn't qualifying them. So actually we didn't know if the lead generation was working or not working. All those leads were just sitting in automation and CRM technology. But, and I could go on and on and on. I mean, sometimes it's because the market doesn't care what you're selling. Sometimes they don't like the words. Sometimes it's because you're using the wrong color button. Like it's amazing though, that the real problem that you're solving is very dangerous to be like, it's lead generation. Hmm. Like, let's just take time to start breaking down number one, your revenue strategy, and number two, the root causes, the real drivers or problems behind why is that the situation that you're in? Because for me, that is the thing is that's the situation that they're in. It's not necessarily the problem that they have, but too often people just go whoop and they throw tactics and money at something because they named the problem too quickly when the problem was just the circumstance and the outcome of a problem that they were not addressing at all. This ad is brought to you by The Marketing Blender. As you guys know, I'm a fractional CMO, and actually at The Marketing Blender, there's a whole team of us. For a fraction of the cost of a full-time executive, you can hire a chief marketing officer to write your marketing plan, to clean up your messaging and your positioning, and to drive sustainable results. We oversee multiple partners. We help mentor team members. And most importantly, we build a marketing machine that will drive results for your company for years to come. If you're curious about what this looks like, and some of our engagements go from a couple months to a couple years, check out themarketingblender.com. So one quick funny story about lead quality. I had a client one time that we set up a, a Google ads campaign running, got, getting conversions. And they were like, these are garbage leads. They just needed to make sure they were getting a business email. And that was simple, a simple plug in on their form. They, their definition of this is a garbage lead is they couldn't do identity resolution. Quick fix. And it turned out they were great quality leads. They were exactly the kind of people they're trying to get it in front of. They just needed to make sure that they could tell who they were. And that's so dangerous because as a marketer, if I hear garbage leads, my mind immediately jumps to, is it targeting? Do we have our buyer personas wrong? Are we in the wrong place? Like start to jump like way far ahead when really it was not, I just need to know they are. Do. That's all. Yeah. I'd also like to say that if you have a lead generation problem and you're going into an economic downturn, this is not the time to narrow down to as few tactics as possible. This is the time you need to get serious about building a lead generation ecosystem because resilience is about not having one lead generation pipeline, not having just one or two ways that you're able to bring in new business. You need to understand the full opportunity landscape. So you are getting in front of your target market in every place that you can. Yeah, I love that. And it, it would be easy to suggest or for people to read into, oh, just be out there 
more. And that's not what an ecosystem is about. It's about making sure that you are in the spaces that your customers are in and that you're tracking their activity. So as an example, if you are trying to put metrics behind your ecosystem, you're wanting to look at a full range of metrics to validate are you getting in front of people. So you might be looking at things that are intended to drive traffic to your website. Then you might be looking at different tactics that are intended for people to take action on your message or to watch a video and to respond in a certain way or to become a follower. And you want all of these things tracking so you can see your entire pipeline. That means all the way from your reach, how many people know you exist, all the way to filling your pipeline, how many people are taking different levels of action throughout their entire buyer's journey leading to their final decision, which is a sale for you. I think also this stress of the economy tightening can lead to more speed and more innovation if you allow that to be good stress. If you allow it to be the thing that makes your team smarter, leaner, faster, and better at solving problems. And of course, that innovation and drive needs to be completely focused around customers and their outcomes. I love that. And I think the biggest encouragement that I want to give to people is not to be freaking out about what's the answer. It's to ask amazing questions. Like we hinted at this about what's the real problem, but asking your entire team, what are all the different ways that we could solve this? How should we be looking at this? Why do we think this is happening? What do we think this is telling us about the market? Holy cow, a whiteboard session like that is a game changer because of exactly what you said. The right questions with the right constraints can breed amazing innovation, amazing insights, amazing aha moments, and that is freaking fun. Like that gets your team fired up and an A-game fired up team beats an economic downturn every day. Absolutely. And the next topic that I'd like to bring up, because we all have dreams and grand visions, a goal is not a plan, a goal is not a plan. And this is something that I talk with business owners and CEOs about all the time, because one of the very first questions that we ask when we're going through discovery is what's your revenue now? Where do you want to be in 12 months? And some of the numbers that we get when we look at what they're willing to invest in their sales and marketing efforts and what their market is currently doing in relation to their brand, it's not necessarily based in reality. So we have to have a very strategic conversation around how do we build the blocks and put things in place that actually will help catapult you toward those aggressive goals. Is the timeline realistic? Is it something that if you invest more, you can actually hit that? Or do you need to extend that timeline? You know, what's the actual blood, sweat, and tears that needs to go into it? So being very strategic about, you know, as we're making your organization more resilient, Are your goals based on strategic planning or are they based on wishful thinking? Absolutely. I mean, this goes straight back to the revenue strategy. How did you build that number? How are you going to achieve it? And then each component of that revenue strategy has its own plan. Customer retention has its plan. Customer upselling has its plan. Referral driving and word of mouth has its plan. Lead generation has its plan and they roll up to your overarching goals. So I absolutely love 
this idea. You know, and one of the other things I want to challenge people on, and you really talked about this is when, when will we see the outcome on the business? Now I will tell you, if you only ask that question to your marketing team, it's going to scare them to death. So this needs to be a facilitated conversation that everyone sales, marketing, and leadership is participating in. But let me give you a quick example. So for instance, if your marketing team is recommending some sort of digital marketing campaign to drive leads or to drive some sort of specific action, then it's appropriate to say, well, how long before that plan starts creating results that we can analyze and that we can start working. But if you're thinking about real impact on the business, then simply ask yourself, okay, once we get that lead, then what happens? How long does it typically take to work that lead? How long is a typical sales cycle? What are we expecting? And if you have a collaborative conversation around how long does marketing take? How long does qualification take? How long does sales decisions take? You can actually project a healthy and unified benchmark to compare when did we expect that impact. And I think, Daisy, so frequently people are just scared to have this conversation because leadership's like, when is it going to work? Marketing's like, I don't know, I don't have a crystal ball, leave me alone. (laughs) You know, and sales does the same thing. We need leads now. Okay, like let's talk about the numbers. And, And if you're in it together, it's a real game changer where then you can have decision-making criteria that everybody gets behind and is committed to making it work versus you're right, you're wrong, you know, that kind of bark, bark, bark conversation. And sales and marketing alignment is never more important than when the chips are down because you cannot afford to burn leads. You can't afford missed opportunities. You can't afford to only focus on this quarter and not think about next quarter because guess what? 97% of your target market is not ready to buy right now. And if you decide to ignore them, tomorrow's not going to be any better than today. And fear is so dangerous in regards to bringing out finger pointing in people because unfortunately in an economic downturn, people are thinking, I don't want to lose my job. That does not necessarily bring out top performance and it does not necessarily bring out collaboration amongst team members if there is fear whether inside an individual or worse, inside of a culture or a team or an industry, um, you know, leadership's really got to be aware of what that can do and that it is going to kill your biz dev pipeline if you have people trying to CYA instead of achieve a unified team goal. Exactly. So, you know, one of the other things that that really leads me to is um, when it comes to finger pointing is this idea of, Kill it or keep it. Now, I love this question. Don't get me wrong. I think this question needs to be asked more frequently of um, marketing and sales tactics because we've always done it like that, right? However, the one magic bullet, the one that exists in marketing is consistency. Consistently keeping a healthy message and a healthy focus on your target market, consistently serving instead of selling, That's the only magic bullet in marketing. And the thing about consistency is if you keep campaigns running and ask better questions about how do we get more for this or why is it working or why is it not working, that leads to optimization. 
Optimization is about a business development system, and that's the goal. That's the goal that leads you to resilience. And so, you know, talking about that finger pointing, you, you have to have an agreement around what can we confidently maintain consistency around so that we can add better thinking and keep going up the value stream and getting more for our money. So we've talked about sales and marketing alignment, but I'd also like to talk about alignment between marketing and ops. Ooh. Because this is another area of innovation and resilience. Um, I was talking with a business owner earlier today who has a custom software team that does amazing project work. During the shutdowns, they had some extra time on their hands, but they were able to use that to build their next innovation, which is a SaaS-based approach to what they're doing. And guess what? They got to do it their way because there weren't client constraints and, oh, the end users are used to doing things this way. We have to use this tech stack. We have to do that. They were able to build something they were really proud of and really excited about. Amazing impact on customer experience because they're able to really have ownership of what they're doing. And also that innovation was driven by what customers were saying. You know, we need more OPEX, less CapEx expense. We need to be able to drive continuous improvement in an affordable way so we can improve business profitability. So it's a really good under, uh, example of how voice of the customer should be playing in to, from marketing and sales conversations back into the ops pipeline to really drive exceptional customer experience. Oh my gosh, I love that. And you know, it's interesting, we have a client where about a year ago, they had a dangerous external driver out of their control, really knock them loose. So it wasn't an economic downturn, but major downturn for them. And the interesting thing is that that, that scare, you know, that massive change allowed them to identify some iterations that they could make to their product that could drive short-term revenue almost immediately. And so it drove innovation. It created a shorter sales cycle, a new product line, and that resulted in something that they could talk to clients that had been shutting the door on them. And it was because of this horrible thing that happened. Now, yes, they have to be focused on overcoming that horrible thing, but this thing that, that resulted out of that is going to make them dramatically stronger and more resilient, and it's going to help save them. And that's really exciting. And it was resources that were right there in front of them the entire time. They just didn't have the eyes to see them without you know that fo that laser focus on how do we drive revenue today. So yeah, I mean, there's just so many opportunities that that can come from, you know, and it might be start from scratch or it might be just look at what we have right in front of us that can serve the market right now. I think the buzzword around what you're describing is anti-fragile. Where the more you hit something, the stronger it gets. <laughs> and I think that's really an attitude. Yeah. So as you're thinking about business resilience, this is a cultural aspect. This is a decision that when things get hard, you go harder. I absolutely love that. And I will add probably to wrap it up, the final component about that alignment with ops is just delighting your customers because the number one thing you need to double down on protecting in regards to resilience, and this is related to scalability too, you guys, is that you need to make sure you keep your clients and that you drive so much value that they want to keep spending with you, keep referring to you, and keep asking you for more. So 
returning to who's already giving us money, who already loves us, and how can we make them love us even more is a really healthy scaling strategy that ironically builds amazing resilience in economic downturn because people are going to be so much more thoughtful about where they place their dollars. Make sure it's with you, right? For sure. All right, you guys, lots of thoughts out here. I know it seems super weird that we are smiling in the face of economic downturn, but it represents opportunity, period. Do not believe the fears. Do not believe the talking heads. Anytime there is a downturn, it opens up massive opportunity and the brave and the bold and the consistent will win. We'd love to hear your thoughts and would love to have you hit that subscribe button. Onward and upward. We hope you learned something today that will help you succeed with your marketing. And if you liked what you heard, definitely give us a thumbs up and a subscribe. Don't forget to check the show notes. We're sharing free tools and resources there. And you guys, we would love to hear your comments. So drop one in or send us an email and maybe we'll use your topic on a future show.